The Holistic Counseling Podcast is part of the practice of the Practice Network, a network of podcasts seeking to help you market and grow your business and yourself. To hear other podcasts like Behind the Bite, Full of Shift, and Impact Driven Leader, go to www.practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, where you discover diverse wellness modalities, advice on growing your integrative practice, and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. Today, I'm bringing you another live holistic counseling consultation, which is part of a series of episodes. I hope you're able to tune into some of these. And if you haven't, you got to check these out. This is not your typical podcast interview. In this episode, I answer one big question a listener needs help with, whether that's practice building, self-care, or anything else that's related to holistic counseling. So I'm so excited to bring you another one of these episodes. Today's guest is Sherry Clark. Sherry has a long career in healthcare. Before training in counseling, she worked in several areas other than mental health for large hospitals and trauma centers in the Triangle. The diversity gave her a unique understanding of how biopsychosocial factors interact in our lives. In addition to private practice, she volunteers with the American Red Cross Disaster Mental Health. Prior to COVID, she was an active founding member of the Raleigh chapter of Death Cafe and Drag Queen Story R. I'm sorry that I say that out loud. It makes me giggle, Sherry. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> she also shares her life with three purebred Labrador retrievers that she shows in AKC competition, obedience, and confirmation. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Good to talk with you again. And I appreciate you coming to the holistic happy hour we had. That's, that was great to, to meet yes. you and get to know you a little bit. And I know we have another one coming up May 21st. I hope other people can join us Yay. 6 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, it was really good. And we got to have a couple drinks together and hang out. Yes. Awesome. So That's before cool. we start, can you share what the Death Cafe and Drag Queen story hour is? Absolutely. Death Cafe was actually started in Europe and honestly, England. Namely, oh. we've a they've actually tried to normalize death and the whole culture around death. For a long time, and Europe and other areas of the world are a little bit further along than we are, we tend to stick people in hospitals or nursing homes, and we sequester the dying to isolation. And the whole death-positive movement started in Europe, trying to normalize death as part of life. And it actually is going back to the old ways of a family funeral, where the body would be set up in the living room and friends and family would come in and pay their respects to the deceased and their family before the funeral. So we're trying to normalize that whole death process. Yeah. And it ties into the green burial movement. That's what Death Cafe is about. We talk about, and it's not a grief group, we talk about anything end of life related, any questions they may have about the death process or what happens once you die. We've had crime writers, we've had grad students from Duke 
We've had all kinds of people. We've had hospice nurses join our group. It's everybody. And of course, those in the funeral industry as well come. So we've had a lot of mix of a lot of different people. So that's what that's about. Drag Queen Story Hour. I'm so proud of that. It's an international group. And we are part of the founding chapter here in Raleigh-Durham. And we actually won Channel 5's. We actually won the most family-friendly event before COVID. Uh, What is it? Viewer's Choice Award. That's what it was. Nice. And that was the first year that we ever started it. So we're trying to teach body positivity and being different isn't bad to kids. Basically telling them that it's okay to dress up and accept yourself for who you are. The queens that we have come read stories to our children. They play games, they dance, they interact with the children, and they, it just becomes I a love really it. fun time. Yes. What an amazing idea. Right. I see some skeptical parents come in like, I don't know about this, and they leave <laughs> laughing and saying, we're going to come back, you know, because it is such a positive experience for them. So So cool. Yeah. And and it's a really safe environment that we try to foster. So can you share more about your private practice work as well? Yes. My private practice, I primarily treat a lot of PTSD, chronic illness, and I treat caregivers as well as the chronically ill. And of course, My affinity for the death and end-of-life care is a part of that. I see a lot of grieving families. My work in the Red Cross has also enabled me to do some of the uh, work that we have to do with the survivors when they identify bodies. And I'm privileged to be able to go along with the families and be of support to them while they're doing that. And that's probably one of the most difficult parts of their lives. And I feel really honored that they let me in and let me work with them and share that part of that journey with them. That's a gift. And I never forget that. A large part of my practice is, like I said, um, working with caregivers as well as the chronically ill. I'm seeing a lot of some PTSD, both COVID-related, but I'm also seeing a lot in medical workers. I certainly see the military as well. Certainly the depression and anxiety too. Sounds like you're doing some great work. It's fun. That's wonderful. That's what I do. I love all your interests too with the Red Cross and with animals and mm-hmm. in the cafe. I mean... I do some animal-assisted therapy. I have a Labrador that um, is a trained therapy dog. She can assist me in working with patients that have trouble building bonds with humans. Oh, okay. And I try to teach them that the same constructs of building a relationship with the dog can also apply working with humans and, and building trust and building a relationship with her sometimes transfers over to trust and building relationships with another human. There's certain components that are universal. True. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get to it, Sherry. So what is your big question? In working with a lot of the holistic practices, and I do some of that work, I started using essential oils a long time ago. And I started using them just because I like the scents 
and it's a pleasing environment. But I also realized that a lot of the scents can have reactions attached to them and they can benefit my patients as well. Definitely. Yes. And certainly with COVID, the practice didn't close down immediately because I was attached to a healthcare provider and she was still seeing patients and I was seeing patients also because we couldn't close down. We had some patients yeah, that yeah. medically I just had to see for med counts and that sort of thing. They were not stable enough for us to do telehealth in. So I was using some of the, the aromatherapy, diffusing eucalyptus and peppermint and that sort of thing. And I realized that they were benefiting from that. Love it. Yeah. So I kind of caught on that, hey, there's something to this aromatherapy other than just pleasing scents. But my overarching question in all of the holistic realm is how can we validate and how do we go about choosing which modality to use when there's not a lot of choices out there for traditional continuing education and how are we going to get the information that we need to responsibly practice and use these modalities we can't exactly dial up the ACA website and find out we're not there yet are we right exactly <laughs> um, who yeah. do we go to and how do we make those choices of, of who is responsible and the leading authority and who is an authority how does that get measured I think that's an awesome question. And, and I think one that a lot of listeners might have on their mind as well, because like you said, you know, it's not through the ACA or other or APA mm -hmm. or through a university. I know some of the trainings I've taken have been through colleges, UNC or NC State or, you know, these other organizations that are vetted by our, our licensure or overall organizations for counselors or therapists. So, so that, that does make it a bit more challenging that these aren't exactly recognized and unfortunately, some of them, like you said, we don't get CEUs. I think right. some of that's changing. So, so example, for an example, one of my trainings, the subtle yoga, I took, guess what? NBCC approved it. Yay. So, yes, I know. That's why I was so excited because it was 100 hours. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I think some of that is changing. They're seeing, because of course, with yoga, there is a lot of research base and va validation with that. And so... I know it's going to be a much slower for some of these other modalities if they ever get approved, but it is harder to find that. I look at it this way too, is that we got to really do our research to, to determine what is the best training for this. But before we go into that more, I guess what is behind your question too? Is there some fears about just taking any training you find online? It's really easy. And I'm old school in that I think about just because you call yourself a master, are you really? And what makes you a Understandable master? Understandable being that skept skeptical, yeah, that yeah. skepticism. Who measures that? Yeah, and yeah. I'm so used to coming from academia and medicine especially. So more the Western model right. of medicine and traditional. Or even having the different Eastern philosophies and having yes. mm -hmm. their training behind them. I trust one of the acupuncturists here in um, Raleigh to teach me everything I need to know about acupuncture, but he also teaches the Chinese acupuncture, which is a really interesting story because he's not, he's Puerto Rican. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so 
I look at credentials. I'm looking yes. at experience mm-hmm. and who gives you, who gives them those credentials, I think. Okay. Um, the governing bodies and all that. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's great for some of the modalities. Yes. But I'm not quite sure how we would measure some of the, the other things like crystals. True. You know? And tarot. Yeah. Do we measure them according to the gemological societies? Do we, you know, how do we (laughs) go about finding something that's empirical when it's not empirical? True. And I talked about some of this too with my solo episodes, my foundational episodes, that it is difficult because we do have ethical obligation as counselors, as therapists to do empirically based any kind of strategies or treatment. But the good news is that there is more research on a lot of different kinds of modalities. That's the thing too. It is out there. But where does, as far as the training goes, that can be a little trickier. But I think with, and I'm not going to get into essential oils yet, but crystals or tarot are a little bit different. But I think you just got to do your research, just like you said, because of course, I don't know that there's, maybe there is certifications in it. I'm not sure. Um, but I always look too, is there some kind of certification or long program that you can take? Cause you don't want to just take like a weekend course and say, Oh, I'm good. So usually something longer term is what I find. I know when I took pranic healing, which is an energy healing, that was a certified program that's been around for a long time. And lots of people have gone through the program. And that's what I like to see too is, okay, how many people have gone through this? I did talk to some other people I knew locally that went through the program. I had some treatment done on myself. To me, it's it's not a journal, but it, it worked for me. <laughs> they were able to identify my shoulder pain. I didn't tell them and the issues I was having and be able to treat that. And it, and it helped my shoulder so much. So just as an example, wow, evidence for me. Sure. <laughs> and I look at empirical evidence sometimes is how does this work with clients we treat? And maybe mm-hmm. that's not our research study, but is it working for clients mm-hmm. is another way to look at that. Reviews online, I look at that too. How long has this been around? Is this some, somebody in their house just decided to create this program that they um, haven't used it yet, right? They have nobody that's gone through the program. Wow. I'd be a little bit more leery of that. Yes. I think what you're saying too is like, did somebody just create this overnight and you're like, huh, is this really worth my time? And of course, the financial investment. Mm-hmm. Does this work? Is this really what I need to learn? Right. How much experience does a person have? I always look at that too. Mm-hmm. I know my pranic healing teacher, I think, gosh, I think she had 20 years experience or something. Mm-hmm. And my yoga teacher too. I feel like some, not that it's bad to, if you have no experience, but the more experience I think can really help you to learn more because mm-hmm. you want to be in that position to learn as much as you can. Right. Asking others. I just feel like talking to people. And we have in Raleigh, at least, I know we have a lot of the Facebook groups local, and I'm sure there's some national too, Mm -hmm. that asking questions, getting more information from people, Mm -hmm. figuring that out. Networking is so important. Other people that might be trained in that, but if you can't find anybody trained in it, (laughs) I would be a little hesitant. Yeah. yeah, I would be hesitant about that as well. But mm-hmm. I did want to let you know, and all listeners to know that good news, there's a therapist creating a tarot card reading training. Wow. And that is, I know. I'm so happy I found her. So sh- I'm going to be interviewing her in June. And so that should come out this summer, that episode. But yeah, so that's the good news. If you can find somebody who's, a, you know, has a licensure. Mm-hmm. 
and is providing this. And she's done her research and study and practice and created her own program. That's so great. That, I know. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Right. <laughs> you and know? just here recently, I found two of my clients are using tarot. Yeah. And okay. I'm like, okay. Then they've gotten to it naturally. So we're talk we're having conversations about that. And it's always interesting to find out how they're using it. Yeah, that's excellent. And she, I think she said too, she actually does use it with clients and she will start mm-hmm. a session by pulling a card. Okay. You know, and hmm. using it that way. I, I don't know all she does. I haven't done her training, but it sounds like it's that could be a, another resource. So obviously if she's done this, I wonder if there's other therapists too. Right. Other licensed professionals to look at and just learning as much as you can. I think that you mentioned about using books and online materials. I think doing your research too and learning as much as you can about mm-hmm. these modalities and mm-hmm. different teach. And I find even with like yoga, I don't want to learn just from one teacher. I like yeah. to go to different people. Mm-hmm. I go to different classes. I've learned some other programs. I'm going to another training in a couple weeks from a different teacher. I feel like once you can do that, you can integrate so much more mm-hmm. in how, what you offer someone else. I you know, agree. If that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there is no licensure board for tarot or crystals that I know of. So, <laughs> or I don't think it's through university yet. You know, Not that's yet. the thing. But yeah. I know you mentioned essential oils before we um, hit record today. But I think yeah. essential oils, you can become an aromatherapist. Yes. I'm having one on, that's another episode coming up. And she's going to talk about the ethical use of essential oils for therapists, which is going to be an amazing episode because we had talked about this. I had met with her online before. And so she's so knowledgeable about all of this. And and the aromatherapist training is intense because you do have to learn about anatomy and physiology and how it all works. So that is actually a training that that you can get. I I don't know if aromatherapist, if that's a certification or what they call that, but that that's where that route would go. Mm -hmm. If you want to go more in depth with that. I may do that. Yeah. So Sherry, do you have any follow-up questions? I hope that answers some of that. It does. I think anytime that we can get together and find out from each other too, how we research what we're doing. I think that sparks ideas about how I can go out and find things that may help my patients and how I go about searching out and separating the the wheat from the chaff and and that sort of thing. And I just want to address one thing too in your question is it seems like underneath you, I'm sure you're thinking about the stigma too. And Mm -hmm. sometimes as holistic practitioners, it might be considered quote unquote woo woo like this is <laughs> yes <laughs> too far out there like really come on some people might be hesitant to dive into some of these holistic modalities for fear of judgment mm-hmm. that other profe- quote unquote professionals may be like well that can't be part of your therapy or counseling cuz that's not empirically based yada yada you know how oh. that goes but and if there's no empirical evidence then it doesn't exist to some people to some people. <laughs> yeah right. Exactly. Yeah, but like I said, essential oils has some research. I know energy mm-hmm. healing does. Mm-hmm. That's becoming more integrated. I know Duke actually did some Reiki trainings before. So even the bigger establishments are starting to recognize some of these other alternative healings. Right. And I think they have to. They have to. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no it's, other way to explain it. 
Yeah, exactly. And looking at some of these too as complementary, that they're not necessarily, you don't go to someone for digestive issues, just to someone who's an aromatherapist, that you do need to go to a medical doctor and, you know, making sure you have that caveat that it is something that you can use in addition to that. Right. To other issues. So did you have any other follow-up questions, Sherry? I'm just curious in your talking with other practitioners and if they are having, are they using the holistic practices more now? Is this something that that we're going to see more of coming? Is this the next wave in counseling? Yeah, because you think about mindfulness, like so. that's such a buzzword, right? And I think to me, that's more holistic. I think that's become mainstream mm-hmm. overall. Most clients I talk to about that already know that they've tried some or they're on the Calm app or other apps and you know, it's so much more readily available with YouTube and all that. So I'm thinking it's starting oh, yes. to go that way. And I know even pranic healing was starting to be used in hospitals mm-hmm. as well. There's some research with that. It's starting, but it's going to be a process, I think, for some of these. Some are going to be more tough, I think, with crystals or tarot. I think sometimes that's that can be out there. Or people have religious reasons they don't believe in it, like tarot cards or yes. fortune telling, that kind of thing. So I, but I wonder, too, if there might be... Yeah, exactly. Or might be a push with the more intuitive counseling too, you know, because I know some of the Reiki people I've gone to, they know some things. I don't know how they know these things. <laughs> no, I can't prove with empirical evidence that they knew about, you know, something that happened that I didn't tell them about my grandfather. You know, it's just mm-hmm. that they just know. And mm-hmm. I think that is is going to be coming up more often with people using that more often because mm-hmm. that can be so helpful. So healing, right? Yes, very much so. And I think it can bring us closer with our clients. Yes, for sure. So do you have any takeaway from our meeting today? I feel a lot better about going out and and researching more sources and more modalities. I feel more sure of myself. Okay, good, good. It sounds like it some of the little bit of relief with that and good well i appreciate you coming on today sherry thank you for having me it was lovely awesome and thank you so much my listeners for for tuning in today and just a friendly reminder to subscribe rate and review if you haven't done that yet and did you like today's episode if so please share it on your social media so we can reach more therapists and this is chris mcdonald sending each one of you much light and love till next time take care If you're loving the show, will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? We just started this, and that helps other people find this show. Also, if you're feeling uncertain about your modalities and you want to build your confidence to be your unique self, I want you to join my free email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, over at HolisticCounselingPodcast.com. In my Becoming a Holistic Counselor course, you'll get tips for adding integrative care into your practice, what training you need and don't, and the know-how to attract your ideal holistic clients. If this sounds like the direction you are headed, sign up at holisticcounselingpodcast.com. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.